Hello, welcome again to Iconoclast Tribe. This is David Avedon, my guest Neil Martin. And we are going to pick up where we left off on the last uh, episode, which is chasing down cowards. Sounds like fun, doesn't it? <laughs> well, I mean, let, let's get serious here, right? So many people... Actually, is that right? When I say so many people, is that right? I'm going to correct myself slightly, okay? But we have a we have a big thing in in this world that we live in in this Western society where we jump on a bandwagon of bashing somebody that's already being bashed by somebody else, whether that's an individual or that's a group of people. It's like it's much easier to like go at the person that's already being attacked than it is to stand up for that person. You know, and it's the cowards that jump in and chase down the person that's already being attacked rather than going, actually, like, you know, where do I stand on this? Should I be standing up for this person that's being attacked rather than standing back and letting someone else get on with it? Or actually, we're still joining in and going, yeah, let's all attack them. Yeah, that's a good point. Let's go back. Um, last episode, we were talking about David and when he fought Goliath. If you go back a couple of of uh, sentences there, where it talks about Goliath every morning and every night would come out and challenge Israel to send one man to fight him. And it said every time he came out, everybody would form up their battle lines, the Philistines on one side of the valley, the Israelites on the other, and then Goliath would come out and he would make his challenge, and it said that the Israelites would tremble with fear and flee. So, uh, I don't know. That sounds pretty close to like a coward. Uh-huh. But the interesting take on it is when David shows up and David fights the, the giant, before he even goes to see King Saul, it said David's oldest brother hears him talking and comes and says, I know what you're thinking and I know how egotistical you are. David's like, what have I done? And he just turned away from him. But even, so it's funny. David's going to stand up and fight who his brother's afraid of and his brother gets mad at him for it. <laughs> and he's like, I, I, yeah, I, I know who you think you are. So don't don't be surprised if you stand up for who you are and stand in your own uniqueness and you stand against what is the the religion, the icon, whatever it is, whether it's cultural or religious or political or whatever. When you stand up and say, I'll fight that dude, I'll take this situation on. Uh, who's that, uh, the, the Norwegian girl, Greta... Yeah, the, the environmental said, girl, right? Yeah, Thornburg, is that right? Something like that. Yeah, I mean, she's just like, just putting a smack down on world leaders. And here she is, a 15-year-old girl, but she's like, this is wrong. You have all this power, all this authority, and you're doing nothing. And we're going to inherit this, this planet in the shape you're leaving it. And it's wrong. Well, guess what? I mean, that's kind of what everybody else is just sitting around wringing their hands going, well, the ones that are paying attention, the others are like, oh, there's no such thing as climate change. There's no, whatever. We're not trying to get in on, on that dialogue. But the point is, David 
was deciding that he wasn't okay with the status of just allowing this giant, this Philistine army. And the funny thing is, is they're on the Israelite, they're, they're in Israel. It's like this guy's camped out in their backyard. It's not like they went over into, uh, you know, the Philistines camp and said, hey, no, I mean, these guys are interlopers. They're squatters. And David says, I've had enough. But everybody else is being cowards. First of all, King Saul. And King Saul is very reminiscent of the small self, the ego. Because it's going to hide when it thinks it's in danger. And so are all the little armies of the ego. But when David shows up, David kills Goliath, the rest of the Philistines flee, and then guess what? Everybody's all sudden brave. Because there's a little chance of getting killed when the guy you're chasing doesn't have a weapon and he's running from you. Ego can be a great defense as well, though, right? I mean, I, you know, I, I actually think there's a couple of things to say on this. One is acronyms for ego. There are a few that stand out to me, but two in particular. One is everybody's got one. And I think it's important that we all remember we have an aspect of ego within us. Sure. I think the other one is edging God out. Yeah. Because like when we let our ego take over, we actually push out the higher self. We push out our higher power. And that's the part I'm, I'm making reference to. But I think the other thing like from per, again from personal experience if i'm if i'm brutally honest with myself here is i went through a period in my life where i had what i would describe as a massive fragile ego which basically meant that i put such a front on that i wasn't letting you see the scared little boy inside because i thought it was courageous to present something that wasn't me to protect what was going on for me so you know way back in like episode one or two we were talking about masks it's kind of like you know, I put such a strong mask on, almost as like a barrier, almost as like armor to go, you can't see who I am. But that mask was an ego. That mask had so much bravado, so much front. You know, it was like, I don't know, if you didn't know me, you'd think I had ridiculous levels of confidence. But I had zero confidence. Yeah. You know, and it was borderline arrogance because it was, it was such a compensatory measure. Like it was, I, I was afraid to show you who I really was. And so that ego took over and got in the way and was my barrier. And, you know, the, the, I think what I'm trying to say here is almost like sometimes the, the coward that we're, we're chasing is actually ourselves. It and always the, is. And the courageous thing is to go, well, I'm not going to chase you or me. I'm going to stand up and be who I really am. And if I'm chasing you, it's very often because I've seen a weakness in me. It's not a popular thing to say, and I don't say this in a way of making it a blame, but everything that I see, that I, David, sees in this world is a reflection of what's going on inside of me. If somebody is, if I'm having a conflict with someone, that, that someone is just displaying an aspect of me I'm already having a conflict with within myself. Yep. Oh my God, it's like, that can't be real. Yeah. How long have I been talk, talking about doing a podcast? <laughs> How long have I known you? Those two but, things are the same answer, right? Yeah. And it, the, part of it was, well, what if nobody listens? What if it's boring? What if, you know, all the, the egos, what ifs? 
So it's easier to sit and be a coward and not do anything than to risk, you know, putting putting oneself out there. I, I don't know any. I could go look it up. You can go look it up. You know, our audience here, but Theodore Roosevelt has a a well known saying, um, and I think the title of it's in the arena. But it, to paraphrase it, he said, "The one who's in the arena, who's who's covered with blood and dust, and has has strived and maybe failed, you you stand in a place where at least you tried, and the ones who sit on the sidelines and just judge you." will never know you know the the victory that the place that you hold and it's it's really true because it's easy any one of us can sit in our armchair and watch a football game or or anything else and shout at the television or the teams or whoever to tell them how they should be doing it and yet what are we doing and again this isn't about personal judgment but it is it's the Israelite who's in the army, David's brothers. Any one of them, why, why didn't they show up? Why didn't they go, hey, why, why am I not okay? But when, as soon as David says, I'm not okay with this, they're like, hey, we know you, and you're just being arrogant. Don't make me look bad. Sit, sit down, shut up, chill out. But when there's something in... The, in the heart that a person wants more than they want the satisfaction or the the acceptance and embracing by the the crowds because you got to remember a week before Jesus was crucified he comes in riding on a donkey to Jerusalem and people were taking their coat their their outer garments and throwing before him and palm branches shouting Hosanna Hosanna to the king Hosanna to the son of David mm-hmm. and a week later they're roaring crucify crucify so you know the crowd's a fickle thing yep and yet Jesus wasn't deterred by it David I mean David and his men 1 Samuel 29 they're they're living in in Philistia at this time. David's hiding out from Saul. Saul's trying to kill him. And David's got 600 men out there with him who came out. It said everybody who was in trouble with the law, who was discontent, or who was in debt, they came out to be David's tribe. That sounds like a merry band, doesn't it? (laughs) But the point was, David went, and he was going to ride out with the Philistines to fight the Israelites. But the king of the Philistines turned him back and said, Hey, you've never done anything wrong. I've allowed you to live here, but my generals don't want you going out with your men because they they think that in the middle of the battle you're going to turn on us to win Saul's favor back. But then David, he turns back with his men. Now, this is a whole different story, and I can't unpack it right now. But the the point is, is David goes to return home. And it was called Ziklag, was the city where he and his family and all of his men's family, well, all the men were out. So the women and the children were there. Well, there was another band of Amalekites that came, attacked the city, took everybody and burned the city to the ground. And when David and his men show up, they, they're like, and it says they all wept until they could weep no more because of the loss. And it says, and then the men began to talk 
of stoning David. Wait a minute. This is our commander. This is our boy. We came out here to live with him. Now all of a sudden things went against him and they're, they're ready to, to stone him, to kill him. It says, but David turned and strengthened himself in God, in the Lord. David didn't side with them. They were all in grief. And David's like, okay. He called for the priest. He said, bring me the ephah, which is the, the, the priestly cape to put over, you know, it's, it signifies the presence of God, the, the voice of God. Everybody else was pissed. Excuse me. Everyone else was upset. And they were upset to the point of killing David because they were blaming him. That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> Something goes wrong, let's kill the leader. It was his fault. But it said David strengthened himself in the Lord, and then he called for the ephod, and he inquired of God. He says, what should I do? And he was instructed, saying, go after them, you'll recover everything. Now, if David would have went along with the crowd, they would have sit there and cried and cried and cried, and finally they would kill David and end of story. No more. That's it. But he didn't go along with what everybody else was doing. And if you're going along with what everybody else is doing, you can't find your victory. It's true. It's true. As much as anything, if you do find victory, is it even yours? It's probably going to be a pseudo-victory anyway. Exactly. Exactly. The, um, the, the quote that you mentioned from Roosevelt, um, while we've been talking, I've actually looked it up because I first heard that from Brene Brown. Mm-hmm. Um, and the exact words of it are, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the person who is in the arena, whose face is marred with dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who all the best know, uh, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. And Brene Brown actually wrote a book called Daring Greatly, which is named after the last two words from that quote. Um, it's a great book, but it's very much about being vulnerable and being yourself. And you know, I think a lot of what we've been talking about so far on these episodes are, are basically that, right? It's like, don't, don't try and show up as some iconic thing that you've been told to be. Show up as who you are. Exactly. You don't want to be a die cast. You do not want to be a rubber-stamped image of everything that's gone before you that has failed to fulfill its own destiny. And so on that note, let's bring this episode to a close. And if you don't want to be a rubber stamp of everybody else, do us a favor. When you leave us a five-star review on iTunes, actually type in some words and tell us what it is that you're getting from this podcast. Yeah, Anyone can go, yep, five stars, but actually it takes a little bit more courage and a little bit more individuality to actually go out there and tell us why you're enjoying this. And we would love to hear from you and we will see you on the next episode. <laughs>